Not hearing. All right, well, we'll welcome in hockey fans to the Desert Southwest while we wait for uh, Scott's mic to work. I'm Stephen Marsh. Welcome to Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm Stephen Marsh in Las Vegas, and uh, Scott's, uh, of course, your main host here, and he's joining from Scottsdale. Scott, are you there? Okay, we're still having problems with with uh, Scott's mic. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Kenny McCutton, who's an assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was on the Monday show with Scott and uh, Seth, the professional hockey, and he's going to be with us on club hockey. And we're going to talk more about the club hockey side of things. Um, so that's what we're going to focus on. We're also going to talk about some uh, signs and uh, of the Grand Canyon and Arizona. Scott, are you there? Um, okay, let's try that better. Well, we'll wait for uh, Scott's mic to go on here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and let's talk about some of the uh, Arizona players that have uh, been committed to the Wildcats. Uh, there was uh, Matt Marquise joined in from Scottsdale, or he's from Scottsdale. He's uh, currently in Pittsburgh. He's coming into Arizona. He says, I'm uh, extremely excited to sign with the University of Arizona for the next four years. University and hockey program provide everything I was looking for on and off the ice. Uh, in addition, playing in front of the UA, the UA fan base is going to be something special. I'm excited to study in the College of Medicine and make a push for a national championship at the same time. Playing for a top team in the nation is something I'm looking forward to and cannot way to work under Coach Berman and the rest of the Wildcats staff. So we will look forward to following him at the University of Arizona this upcoming season. Uh, last season, he played with the Phoenix Junior Coyotes, 21 games, five goals, five assists for 10 points. So that's a little bit about what's happened at University of Arizona. Let's see if uh, we can – Scott, are you there now? Uh, looks like we're working on some tech issues with Scott, so we'll uh, go ahead and continue on. Of course, this is uh, the month of May. It's the uh, second week of uh, Phase 1 reopening here in Nevada. Uh, things are going pretty well here. We are getting slowly. Things are starting to open up, and, and we're going to uh, focus on that. And, of course, things in Arizona are looking pretty good as well, so uh, we're, we're working on that, but... Uh, Let's see. Stephen, can you hear me yet? Yes, I can hear you there. How are you doing? All right, there you are, Scott. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. But, well, that's uh, well, it gave me a chance to welcome in the show for a change. I almost didn't know what to do, right? But I know better. <laughs> you know, the, this, the one. The wonderful things of uh, technology can really mess with you a little bit. So uh, I'm still not connected on my own system. I've got Terry's system that I'm on, but I'm on, okay. so that's a good thing. And, that's a good uh, thing. And if we were talking just a little bit about what's going on, we have a, a special guest on us sure. with us tonight. It's the uh, part two. It's ITHSW podcast part two, the interview mm -hmm. with the iconic Kenny McCudden. So without further ado, let's bring Kenny on board with yeah. us. Kenny, how are you? Scott, can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can hear you finally. I can't hear me, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was going to have to bail you both out. <laughs> and then I was having, and I guess my, my mic was cutting in and out and his wasn't working at all, but I guess now everybody's, hey, everybody's on hey, here. We're all here hey, connected. Steven, yes. I've never met you, but I was going to take over really, really quickly for you there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've done a better job than me. <laughs> no, Kenny, no. Good to talk Kenny, to you both. As, yes. as you know, last uh, Monday when we had you on, uh, Seth was a little worried that you were going to take over his role. So be careful <laughs> now. You might get yourself a full-time gig just what you want, right? Well, I, I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoyed our show Monday uh, talking pro hockey and uh, – 
actually, I did a little radio work uh, for for a radio station here, WIND, which is an 85-year-old station here in Chicago. And I um, started my own hockey show and uh, had sponsorship and everything like that. And I had like 30, uh, 30 uh, interviews all done and all set. And they were, they were wonderful, I thought. And uh, it was about the heritage of the game. And then I got hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets and the, the radio show went kibosh. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a pretty good trade out, I think, because I know your love for hockey and working with the Blue Jackets. But let, let's start out for the for the group of people that are listening on the club side of things for the first time. Just tell us a little bit about what you do as an assistant coach with the uh, the Blue Jackets. I know it's a little bit repetitive, but for this group, they maybe haven't heard of uh, what Kenny McCutton does. Well, it's exactly what I do when I come out. Uh, for instance. Uh, to do a little work with ASU and UNLV, but uh, it's, it's all skill work. And uh, my day basically uh, starts off prior to practice, taking anywhere to six to eight players. Uh, it, it's really describes our culture guys, as far as uh, you know, the time and the commitment that we put in towards the game on, on the fundamentals, but uh, taking out six to guys, six to eight guys out before practice. And then uh, we usually have a split and uh, Bradshaw takes the demon. I take the 12 forwards. That split usually ends uh, uh, after about 15 minutes. And then uh, post-practice is very, very big for us as a hockey club. Uh, we got guys that stay on for an extra 35, 40 minutes, uh, even even past January, because guys want to pay the price and guys want to get better. And uh, But that's our identity and that's our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, Stephen works closely with UNLV's program on the media side of things. So, Stephen, you got anything that you want to throw out, Kenny, to get things rolling? Sure. Yeah. So, Kenny, uh, thanks again for coming on our show today. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. time with us. And so let's let's focus on more on the club side of hockey. What made you want to be involved with uh, with, with with working with club teams and specifically, you know, you've you've come, you've come up here to Vegas and you've worked with the UNLV program the last few years and part of their training camp and. You know how did that come to be, and then what, what, what makes you, what what makes you want to come out and, and and help these these guys out in Vegas and other places? Well, first of all, about. yeah, yeah. First of all, I love it. Uh, this will be my fourth year. Hopefully, uh, I have that chance to be back in August. And uh, I spoke with Anthony Greener the other day about uh, being out there. I believe I'll be coming in uh, on the twenty first of August and spending four days. But uh, uh, it all started with. Uh, Nick Rabone coming out to ASU and being on the ice with me and uh, watching what we do. I'm um, going to this year six or seven working with ASU in the same type of uh, scenario. But uh, they UNLV basically wanted the identical program with what I was doing, uh, coming out and working with the guys uh, at ASU. And when the coaches weren't on the ice, it was just myself and the players. They wanted the identical recipe. They wanted the identical program. And, that's what brought me out to UNLV, and uh, I can't say enough about the UNLV program as far as uh, as a club program because every time I get there, I see them just raising the bar. They're getting better in every way, and uh, hats off to, to Anthony Greener and Nick Rabone. You know, Kenny, when we talk about club program, uh, it used to be it was a club program. It was there for fun or whatever. Uh, it's changed a lot, even in the last five years, I think, because it's become more of a development type program for guys that maybe didn't get a shot at an NCAA level, or maybe there wasn't room for them at the NCAA level. But you see guys like at UNLV last year, they sent uh, a player to uh, play in France at the professional level. So um, just talk a little bit about what you're seeing and just how good these club players are getting to be. Well, they're, they are good. They, you know what they remind me of, uh, Scott? They remind me of I've done an awful lot of work in the OHA, uh, the Ontario Hockey Association, and you would see these players, uh, you know, be an overage junior at 20 years old and nowhere else to play. And you say to yourself, you know, where are they going to end up in a men's league, a senior league, that type of thing. And, uh, these are these are young men that can go out and play university hockey and um, possibly even D1, and uh, they just get lost in the shuffle. But uh, at the club program in the ACHA, uh, what I see is just the, almost the exact same thing. Uh, players that want to carry on with the game, they've been given a chance to carry on with the game, and uh, what better place in Las Vegas to play in? Uh, what, a, what a great setup. Um, the practice facility for – the Vegas Knights uh, happens to be the home, as you know, and uh, it's two, two, I, you know, beautiful rinks, 
and uh, they get to play their home games in that building. And I know they I've seen a couple of games myself as far as when we've uh, when Columbus has been in Vegas. So I've been able to stop at the rink and see a couple of games and to be able to see uh, a couple of thousand fans at those games. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. Steven, you got another follow up on that? Yeah, so you so you've been to a couple of the games, and and why do you? I mean, just you look at the growth of hockey here in Southern Nevada with um, with the Golden Knights coming in. Of course, now we've got an American Hockey League team coming into Henderson. There's the facility being built out in in Henderson, and and of course you got UNLV, which is continuing to uh, to to grow and to, and to be in the prominent uh, realm of of hockey. But what what is what has made hockey so successful here in, uh, in in Southern Nevada in your eyes? Just as you come, as you've seen UNLV in their games, and why people have latched onto hockey as much as they have here. Well, I mean, I, I think the combination of the Knights and and UNLV. I mean, the bottom line is uh, uh, that's the starting programs. That the collaboration of those two teams being together. I mean, hockey's hockey, and uh, you know, and the grassroots programs, Stephen, are only going to get stronger uh, in in your rinks. Uh, whether it's learn to skate and might hockey all the way through midget. I mean, it's eventually going to just continually grow. And uh, that's, I mean, that's the exciting part about being in Vegas. And, and I think the same thing, and I, I don't mean to switch gears here, but uh, it's on the same topic. I mean, Seattle's going to go through the exact same thing. It's going to be exciting for hockey, whether it's uh, junior programs, there, kids, youth level programs, once Seattle kicks in and, uh, uh, I mean, bottom line is it, it's uh, it's getting hockey out in the market and it gets people excited and they want to watch games, whether it's uh, club hockey or whether it's the Knights. Yeah, you know, uh, Kenny, when we talk uh, about the uh, the growth of the game in the desert southwest, it's becoming something that's, uh, you know, I started this five years ago with a goal of uh, – growing the game of hockey in the desert Southwest. And never could I have imagined at the club level that we would be looking at uh, a team at ASU that's doing very, very well, had 128 kids for tryouts. U of A had uh, a, a dominating team. Uh, UNLV is growing, as you said, leaps and bounds. Grand Canyon mm-hmm. now has, uh, I believe, three teams this year at a D1, D2, and D3 level. So it just continues to grow. Is that what you're seeing around the country, or is this abnormal for the growth of particularly club style hockey? No, I, I, I just think it's, uh, it goes back to how we started this conversation about uh, how exciting uh, uh, programs are right now from people are starving for it. And uh, they're, I mean, once we get out of this COVID, they're going to be starving for it that much more, but um, bottom line, I mean, for instance, I, you know, myself coming from Illinois, uh, Illinois steeped in, in hockey history. I mean, we've been playing hockey here for a hundred years. Um, so basically, you know, the Midwest and Minnesota, you know, Boston, and, uh, we're, we're no different than, you know, a lot of Canadian towns. I mean, uh, hockey's been around and been played for ages, but, uh, it's new, it's new in your territory. It's, uh, it's exciting for hockey programs. It's exciting for parents. And I'll tell you right now, if I was a young coach, uh, to be able to teach skills and to be able to be a, a coach, whether you're coaching a peewee team or a Bantam team. What, what, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to go, uh, go to the desert. And I think, uh, I mean, a kid coming from, my gosh, let's just pick a, a place like Saskatoon or something, a Canadian kid. <laughs> right. I mean, what a, what a place to go to, whether it's uh, uh, if you get a chance to, to play at ASU, for instance, in Arizona, or you get to play uh, at UNLV playing club, I mean, in Nevada. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a special place, and it's only going to get better and better because the game is going to grow, obviously, leaps and bounds. You know, Kenny, one of the things, kind of a follow-up to that, is when I talk to the coaches at the club level down here in the desert southwest, they always talk about how how they think their program is equal to or better than maybe an NCAA Division three type program. But what they offer differently is the big university-type um, atmosphere where you could go to the University of Arizona or Arizona State or UNLV or, you know, the University of Washington or Utah or wherever. You can not have to lose – um, the big college atmosphere and still play hockey, but be at the club level. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, for sure. I think the thing that, I mean, you know, as, as a coach uh, coming in and, uh, you know, I don't get a chance, for instance, to be able to see the UNLV program on a regular basis, but 
getting there in August the way I do, and we usually operate uh, a Thursday through a Saturday or a Sunday. And uh, I'll tell you what, I couldn't be more proud getting out there, uh, being part of the gray and the red. And um, the kids are, you know, these these young players are just uh, emerged in it in every way and, and engaged. So, I mean, uh, you know, even this this past year, I was able to see a Chicago kid that I used to, to work with on a religious basis, uh, uh, Hunter Muzillo, uh, uh-huh. who ended up playing at <laughs> UNLV. And yeah, and he had I, a great year. I, yeah, and I, I worked with Hunter since he's been a young oh. boy. Uh, parents I used to hire me for privates and <laughs> used to be part of five or six kids in a private. And I used to work with his brother also. But uh, players that come off the top of my head that had made a – uh, a mark on me when I'm able to watch or be on the ice uh, with UNLV's program is, you know, Angelos uh, Talafus, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the captain Baz Asaf. I mean, he, he's uh, uh, such a hard worker for a small little player and a guy that's got quick feet and great energy, DeAndre John. Uh, and then you got a powerhouse and a power forward like Jared Turcott. And so, I mean, uh, these, these kind of players stand out because they, they, they want to continue the game, and you just never know down the line where they can take the game, whether it's possibly playing in the East Coast Hockey League, maybe going to Europe and play. The bottom line is they're still playing the game. Absolutely. Stephen, you got something to follow that one up on, I'm sure. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, I mean, so you know, you, you talk about some of these these players for, for UNLV, but, you know, what's the what is the biggest when you, when you're, you know, when you talk about, you know, preparing somebody to play in a higher level. Like, what is the key factor to doing well at the at the club level? Like, what is the what is the biggest thing that that a team needs to have to be able to have success uh, and, uh, and success at the at the club level? Well, it's a it's it's a great question, but it it really it's a a standard answer of mine. And uh, but it starts with their their two coaches, Nick Rabone and Anthony Greener. I mean, uh, solid coaches. Uh, very disciplined, very organized, and I'm just using them as an example because this is the closest that I'm able to see a club team being able to be out with UNLV. But, uh, like, for instance, Stephen, when I get brought in, if there's one thing that I try to bring to those three or four days to the players and to the coaches is pro habits. Uh, That's one thing I know I can bring from the NHL down to the club program and I think that I, I really think that the players recognize it, uh, that they've got a coach on the ice that um, doesn't waste any time. Uh, the rhythm of the skates are, are very, very quick. And uh, the reps, uh, there's an awful lot of reps, and it gives guys chances to be able in, to be in situations that they would be in a game and, uh, and, and think out of the box and also be creative at the same time. But uh, – uh, creativity is a big thing of mine just to work around the players. But if there's one thing, Stephen, that I'm trying to, to trying to bring every every August when I'm there is pro habits for these players because they may have not got uh, a chance to even hear those to hear that word or that term of pro habits um, from other coaches. But there's one thing I want to be able to bring to that program, to the to that red and gray when they're with me, uh, is uh, continually raising the bar for the players to be able to say, you know what, Let's let's step out of the box a little. Let's raise the bar for this whole entire team. And, and to follow up with that too, uh, you know how, you know when when you're working with these players, so what is the level of attentiveness? I mean, you talked about that they have great leadership over there, and 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 they're they're good guys. But when you when you're there, I mean, are they very attentive? Are they 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 listen and 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 take what you say seriously, obviously, and just you know talk about maybe how players respond during that week when when you're there helping them out. Another good question. Uh, first of all, if they didn't respond, I wouldn't come back. Uh, that's just the way I am. And, and they probably uh, wouldn't be playing on the in the in the games too. Probably. You, you got it. But uh, no, <laughs> right. uh, they're they're immersed in these skates. I mean, yeah. uh, we split the squads up, like I said, gray and red, and uh, each one is about an hour to an hour and fifteen minutes each. And uh, it uh, honestly, it feels like fifty minutes because. That's how much you're enjoying it as a coach, and I believe the players are enjoying it the same right. because I try I try to bring, you know, in that in that hour to an hour and fifteen minutes, I try to bring at least a dozen different exercises on the ice drills that, uh, and and obviously not repeating the next day or the following day after that. So, um, bottom line is they don't have too much time to to get bored. They don't have too much time to uh, uh, get a drink of water. I mean, because we're going, 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 and. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and that's why the coaching staff has me out every year. Kenny, as uh, as kind of a follow up 
on the follow-up, uh, you know, when I visited with you at UNLV last summer, um, a couple of things that I noticed and, and I made comments to you about is that the coaches, the assistant coaches really take to you as well because they, they want to learn everything that you can possibly give them. So that's part one. But part two is I asked you just how odd is it for you to have your Columbus Blue Jackets sweat jacket and, and uh, gloves and stuff on in the uh, Vegas Golden Knights facility. And you came back with a great comment. You said, you're all about hockey. You share your, your drills with whoever wants to watch them. Tell us a little bit about that theory and how that works for you. Yeah, I mean, for instance, I mean, if they're in the offices there at the, at the practice facility, I'm talking the Knights, uh, uh, they can look down and see what I'm doing. I'm sure the first year they were trying to figure out why is there a Columbus coach out here. But, uh, uh, no, I, I, I know some of their staff, and their staff is terrific, and uh, I'm able to, to see them on a regular basis now. And, uh, uh, but, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really proud when I'm there. And, uh, um, and then, you know, even – you, Scott, you and I caught up uh, last year even on the golf course. So uh, last year was my first year being able to uh, be part of the golf outing. So to be able to see the sponsorship and the people involved and how they back that program, it's terrific. And that goes back to earlier in our conversation. That's where that program is only going to grow, and programs watching that program are only going to grow also. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, the first part of the question, I kind of led you, led you astray on it, but Talk about the assistant coaches, the young guys that are working their way up through the coaching ranks and how important it is for them to be able to see not only your leadership, but yeah, just yeah. be able to throw some things out there on their own and, and get confident in what they're doing. Well, I, I think we can always learn. I mean, I'm, I'm continuously learning from watching other coaches, too, uh, even though, uh, you know, I'm honored and blessed to be in the in the National Hockey League. But uh uh, no, I, I, let's, let's take their main two coaches. I know that, uh, um, this is why they have me out, not only for their players, but for themselves too. And we keep in touch during the year. I mean, we bounce off, uh, we bounce things off of one another an awful lot. I mean, Anthony Greener called me last year, I believe, and it had to do with the power play and he wanted to discuss some things. And, um, but yeah, on, on the ice or from up above, uh, if they don't come out in the ice, it could be student teachers that are, uh, or student coaches that might be on the ice assisting me. Um, I love when they have questions. I love when they want to meet afterwards. And uh, I never want a coach to ever feel uh, out of place. I don't want them to be nervous. I don't want them – I, I want to make them feel at home all the time because, hey, that's the way I would want to be, you know, uh, be if, uh, if I was working along with somebody. So every time these coaches are working along with me um, – that's, you know, I, I need them. First of all, I need them for pushing pucks. I need them for organizing lines. I need them to run an end if I'm down at another end. Uh, so that's what I try to do. Uh, if, I, if, if it's not just only working with the players, yes, if I could bring something, Scott, to the coaches in general and help them along, that's why I'm there. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I figured you were going to tell me because that's what you told me before. But I just wanted the people out there to be able to hear this uh, coming out of your mouth. But uh, as we transition just a little bit, Kenny, uh, for those that don't know your full background and, and what you do, uh, I know I always every time I talk with you, I, I want to hear some stories about what goes on in the NHL because people don't realize the behind-the-scenes stuff. So if you don't mind cheating a little bit and telling us a little bit about uh, – what happens in the NHL? What's it like uh, coaching NHL players, and how much different are they from a club player? Well, it's uh, the big, big difference is the speed. Uh, the big difference is uh, uh, the shots. Uh, I mean, uh, just the way they see the play, and and just all around pace of play. It's uh, it's a it's a major, major difference, and uh, um, uh, you know, a close. Uh, a, a close game to the NHL, I think, is Division One when it comes to the speed, because everybody, you know, can fly at the D1 level. Uh, the club club program, I still think, uh, you know, we have to raise the bar with the skating a little bit, and that's maybe what has kept some of these players away from the from the D1 level. But um, there is a, a big, big, huge gap between club hockey, Scott, and, and the NHL. But uh, uh, we, sp we spoke about uh, some good stories on Monday night uh, with John Tortorella, and I know you're probably trying to feed me uh, a lot of mine to try to get a few, <laughs> a few stories out of me. But, no, uh, uh, to be in the National Hockey League uh, 
and to, to try to compete uh, every single morning when you wake up. Uh, I come out of the shower every morning. I live about 200 yards from the main building, which is called Nationwide. And the first thing that resonates in my head is that I'm going to work every single morning to try to compete for a Stanley Cup. And uh, there's not too many people that in life that can say that. I think there's 130 or 135 coaches in the NHL between the heads and the assistants. And uh, to be part of 135, I mean, that's like saying you're part of uh, 135 on the golf tour or 135 on the tennis tour. So uh, really, really, uh, you know, uh, I use that word blessed with it all. But, uh, yeah, to be part of a program at the highest level and see all types of players from all walks of life at the highest level, um, Europeans, the Canadians, the Americans, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic game. All right, Stephen, he's all yours. Fire away. <laughs> sure, I want to. I want to turn the subject. Obviously, what we're going through right now with with COVID, and and you know, it's kind of an interesting time. You know, you, you you have the season going for the NHL season, and all of a sudden, you know, everything comes to a halt with uh, this pause, and we don't. Know if it's going to be over. But you know, what what has it been like for you this during this time? I mean, how have you been able to keep busy and keep in touch with the players, and maybe do other coaching things to kind of wet your beak while, while we've all been kind of homebound for the last couple of months. Yeah, Stephen, uh, on our show on Monday night, uh, Scott brought it up about the amount of times I'm, uh, he knew that I was uh, doing all these video conference calls. And uh, nine weeks ago, if you asked me what, what, what Zoom means, I couldn't tell you what Zoom means. <laughs> um, but in the last nine weeks, I've done, uh, you know, 55 hours or something like that of, of Zoom conference calls with coaches all over the world and really, really enjoying it. And uh, uh, so that's one way I'm really, really engaged. And uh, um, just as of late, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but uh, I got three rinks behind my house and they're completely shut down. And I've got the keys to the building and one of them is uh, operating, two are closed. And the last six, seven days, I've been skating on my own in a sanitized rink. Wow. Now that, that makes everybody down here jealous, Kenny. I can guarantee you that because they talk about the state of Arizona reopening, but, uh, you know, the rinks are, are obviously trying to do it safely and things like that. And, you know, the concern is, is obviously how do you do it safely? And, and what I want to ask you on, on a part of as a coach on the bench during a game, obviously the atmosphere in Nationwide, for example, is, is great with the fan experience. How will it affect or will it affect the players if you're going to play games, really competitive games, playoff games, without fans? Have you guys thought about that at all, what that might be like? Well, we got pretty close to it there on, on March the 12th. Yeah. We were supposed to play Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, on Monday night. And that was supposed to be in front of uh, no fans. And only 250 people were going to be allowed in the building between uh, – uh, the players, the trainers, the coaches, and media referees, and I think some camera guys, and that's about it, and, and obviously writers. But uh, uh, no, it's um, – and I think that would have been the very, very first time ever that a pro sport, if we would have played that night in front of no fans, because uh, the reason why I say that, the governor of Ohio um, basically said the night before, yes, you guys can play tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it will be in front of no fans. Well – you know, that, that was something that was unheard of. And uh, yeah. uh, so it would have been the very, very first time that that had ever happened, whether it be in baseball or, or basketball or hockey. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be different. I'm not a bench coach. I, I'm a, you know, I'm the skills coach and I'm the, also the eye in the sky. So, uh, and I, I have had the chance to be on the bench. I mean, George has put me on the bench, but you talk about uh, that, that feel um, yeah, players are going to miss that. The coaches that are bench coaches are definitely going to miss that if if we get uh, playing in front of no fans. I mean, uh, um, bottom line is uh, I don't know what they're going to do, whether they're going to pipe it in or whatever the case is. If if the if uh, if if we do come back here, but uh, it's going to be obviously really strange and. I think it's going to be a little bit different than NASCAR because they're going a couple of hundred miles an hour yeah. and they, they don't have yeah. a chance to see or hear the fans. But um, no, the hockey thing, uh, uh, you know, in, not only does it change the pro game, it's obviously going to change, you know, the, the, the skating industry in general, whether it's figure skating, speed skating or the youth level hockey. I mean, these rinks, uh, 
these rinks are going to change, uh, you know, as far as the way they're going to have to be sanitized, uh, the ventilation systems in these buildings are going to have to be top notch. Uh, just the education on cleaning equipment and bags and the whole thing. I mean, it's uh, uh, bottom line too is I think uh, kids, kids are going to have to feel safe and parents are going to have to feel safe going into a rink knowing that they're seeing employees continually clean it. But that's going to be whether you're going to the local coffee shop or you're going to the restaurant, the exact same thing. But, uh, you know, things like water fountains are going to disappear. Uh, there won't be any spitting on the ice. Uh, these are just things off the top of my head. Um, you know, probably no locker rooms being open. Kids are going to have to come dressed, put on their skates. So uh, big time uh, trickle down effect from this COVID for sure. Well, Stephen, you got a follow up to that? Yeah. Well, yeah, let me ask you this. You guys, uh, could, you know, you guys could tell you guys could tell that I've been around the game when I'm talking about some <laughs> about the rink business. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good that's a good insight that we get on this that we'll get on you won't get anywhere else. But um I just want you know, you we, we won't know when the hockey season will start. We won't you know, we won't talk about the plans or whatever right now. But you know, you you your plan is to come out and, and help, you know, be in August hoping that everything is good there, but I mean, it, theoretically, you guys could, for Columbus could be playing games in August, uh, weirdly this year. So, I mean, if you thought about maybe the possibility that that it might not, you might not be able to come here to work out. How would you work that out in your schedule if, if Columbus is still playing games in August and you and, and having to, you want to come and help yeah. UNLV out? Well, I wish I could split myself, but uh, no, I, I would not. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, Anthony Greener and Nick Rabone know that I would yeah. not be there as I right. wouldn't be there for ASU. And uh, if we get rocking and rolling, and I hope we do get rocking and rolling because yeah. uh, I, I, I hope we are playing in August. That would be a dream to be playing in August. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously, Stephen, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to make that. And that's right. uh, that's the part of uh, what COVID has done. It's really messed up an awful lot of schedules. No, I, I, I understand that. And, and I, I obviously we, we would love to have you come out this way, but I just think it was important for people to understand that, you know, what weird things this year is, is, you know, it's going to be a weird kind of, it's going to be a kind of a weird year because you guys were going to be, whenever the season starts up, if, if it's the plan is to play in June, July yep. and have the, the playoffs and, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can't be two places at once. So um, we'll have to just see how everything plays out. But, uh, but yeah. Well, like I'll, I'll, t I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, if, uh, yeah. Um, if we weren't playing right now, let's just say our playoff uh, season was over right now. I was supposed to be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho next uh, Thursday through Sunday uh, helping out a friend's program in Spokane, and which is like 40 miles down the road. And I don't know if you've ever been in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, but it's one of the most beautiful places oh, on earth. Gorgeous. and It's gorgeous. So um, we brought the program from Spokane out to Coeur d'Alene, but won't be going there. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to cancel things right now all the way up until July 1. So uh, um, it's, it's you know, again, it's uh, um, it's something to be expected right now uh, due to, you know, governing bodies differently, you know, you know, differently uh, with their with their agenda as far as when they can open up and the phases. And um, bottom line is I, I just uh, I think sport uh, sport has to come second, no matter what, whether it's yeah. youth level or pros, until we get the you know this world uh, in a safe spot. Well, and the other Very thing well too, said. let me just go ahead. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just want I'll, let me no, just throw this one thing in here. As you know, you look at the upcoming season, and and, and the ACHA had a conference call in there, and they're they've talked about I guess different contingencies about what there's might look like, and they're obviously optimistically everyone wants to start with the season, but one of the options is playing without fans. I mean, we think we get to August, September, but I mean, I, to me, that doesn't seem feasible for a club team to not be able to allow fans because they drive so much money on, on, on getting fans like with any sport, but particularly at the club hockey level where it's all, you know, kind mm -hmm. of self-funded, you know, fundraising. So I, I mean, just with your experience, I mean, how devastating would that be if they wouldn't be able to have fans and could they actually realistically be able to play games with fans or would it be better to maybe try to postpone it or try to work something else out? Are you talking about the at, at the club level? Yeah, at the club level. Yeah, you're yeah, asking me. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, you know, it's it's a, it's a sad situation. I mean, uh, and you're right. Uh, they d depend on uh, uh, that support, and uh, you know, and they may lose that support possibly if uh, if they weren't able to play, and uh, that's the the ratification of uh, uh, ramification of you know being 
you know, hurt like this as far as with COVID. So bottom line is, yeah, it's uh, uh, kids are getting cheated that they're not able to play in front of fans and uh, the support and the monies may not be there for the club. You know, Kenny, and I, I just want to touch on one other thing and then we'll let you go. But um, on Monday night, we talked a little bit about your role as a skill development. And I said to you, um, what's it going to be like for the for the young kids that are draft picks that are looking to make their first camp or their first rookie camp or maybe an AHL roster or whatever it may be? I said, how difficult is that going to be and how big of a setback do you think as a coach COVID-19 is going to cause on this particular group of young athletes? Well, I mean, bottom line, you know, in the National Hockey League, uh, you know, scouting and, and, and staff and management, they all, they all know the kids that they're watching, you know, for every round, obviously. But you'd want to be able to see the kids in the summertime, whether it's in development camp or whether it's uh, in, a, in a tournament. I told you on Monday night that we have that tournament in Traverse City, Michigan, yeah. where there's eight or nine NHL teams that are putting out, out their prospects on the ice. Um, you know, so missing out on that and having management miss out on that and coaching, coaching staff miss out on that because we, we go and watch a couple of games out of, out of the four days. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not able to see the kids that way, but bottom line, you're going to be able to see those kids because they're, you know, the ones that are penciled in or penned in for camp, that's where you're going to see them. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's some things where, you know, a kid might do something in a tournament, a kid might do really, really something amazing in development camp. And if we don't get a chance to see that, uh, that kid is missing out on that until he goes to main camp. So the minutes and the hours that they're not able to perform in front of management and coaches, yes, they, that's where they're, the player is missing the boat. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I set you up for one more, and then, I'll, then I promise I'll let you go. But this one kind of comes to mind in the Vegas area. Um, as we look at draft picks, normally, you know, you look at drafting kids and, and you go first, second, maybe third round. They're, they're pretty much – pretty good shots at least getting uh, a good shot in the pros but a guy like jack dugan uh drafted in the fifth round and now coming in as a uh you know while well, he was a finalist for the hobie baker award now he's coming into uh vegas he's going to be either an ahl or an nhl it looks like but when you're looking at draft picks how how important is it to be drafted higher i know obviously the money and that type of thing as you come in as a rookie but um a fifth-round draft pick making a mark like Jack Dugan, do you see that often? No. I mean, uh, it, it, that's terrific. That's 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 the beauty about sport. I mean, uh, um, and, you know, he, he may, have been, may have been off the charts with other teams too. And, uh, um, you know, I, I could tell you stories of, you know, I'm not going to bring up names of players throughout college hockey or, you know, in the OHL or whatever that, you're, that you want to look at. Uh, and you'd be surprised that not many teams are watching that player. But uh, you might feel that you got a little diamond in the rough, and uh, um, players are they develop differently. Uh, some players, when they get to the American Hockey League, it takes them two or three years. Some players can step right in. Everybody's different, Scott. So, um, no, I, I think it's exciting when, uh, uh, you know, a guy can step right in and, and, and prove uh, what he can do and uh, – you know, and, the, and these younger players today are given a greater chance today because the, the system doesn't want them in the American League, for instance, for four or five years. Those days are over. Um, you want to be able to promote that player after a second year at the most. And even if a player is there for three years, um, that's, that's maybe a year too long, too. So, uh, um, you know, a high, high prospect is a guy that could either just jump right in where he might only spend one year in the American League. So uh, um, it's uh, everybody's a little different, though, with their development. And uh, there's late developers, too. I mean, there's ones that can be, you know, in, in, in the American League for th three, four years, five years. I mean, one of our better players here this year was Nathan Gerby. I think Nathan's played uh -huh. five or 600 games in the NHL, but he's been in the American League the last maybe four years. And, Obviously, it was one of our big call-ups during our injuries. But at five foot seven, um, I mean, he was—he he became our spark plug, and uh, the fan, he became a fan favorite. Um, and when you see him come up to, you know, Chara's waist, 
only. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, that this guy can play in the National Hockey League, but he's got quick feet, good vision. Uh, he's got decent hands. But uh, uh, even when a player, when it, this is where I'm going with this, is even when you think a player might be on his last legs, he may not be on his last legs. And we saw that in Nathan Gerby. Very well said. I call you the icon because I believe truly you are a, a hockey icon. No, I love to have you no, on whenever we no, can visit. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed my two days. It's a little, it's a little harder for me to talk about other, you know, other club teams because I don't get a chance to see them other than UNLV. So if I brought up UNLV often, it's, it's because, uh, that's uh, close to heart because I get a chance yeah. to work with them. But uh, I don't get a chance to be able to see the other clubs, but I'm sure they are as competitive. All right. I'm going to let you go, but if you want to uh, tease us with a little uh, John Tortorella story, you gave us a great one on Monday, uh, just what he's like behind the scenes. If you want to throw one more out there, Steve and I will definitely open our ears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's think of one really quickly. Uh, let's think of one. Uh, what can I say? Uh, um, yeah, I've got, I've got one. Uh, and it's a good, it's a good one. I mean, okay. I told you there was 999 others, but I'm trying to keep this show. I'm trying to keep this show on the air still too, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really neat one. Uh, there was a kid, uh, um, that was doing, there was a 12 year old kid, I believe that was cutting lawns in Ohio. This is about four years ago, three years ago, because he wanted to contribute the money that he was making to, to John Tortorella's foundation for his dogs. So the kid cut enough lawns for like two to $300 and sent a check to the PR department. Well, it went from the PR department down the torts. And I remember being in the office and torts heard this story and torts just absolutely loved it. That this 12 year old kid was cutting lawns and he wanted to, you know, give torts a check that torts, said, get that kid in this locker room by tomorrow. And we had that kid come into the room before practice, and uh, Torts wanted to meet him, and Torts told the story. So it goes back to my stories on Monday night, what kind of guy Torts is that you don't get a chance to read or be able to see unless your, your desk is about 12 feet away from him, so uh, like mine. But uh, that's a story that uh, is a good-hearted story because not only did he make Torts's uh, day by giving him that check, but that kid's got a story for a lifetime that Torts brought him down to the room. That's why we love the game of hockey, uh, Kenny. Kenny McCudden joining us with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for making history with us, Kenny, for the uh, the podcast two-parter. And uh, I know everybody appreciates hearing your voice. Can't wait to see you in person again. Be safe, my friend, and uh, we will see you soon, hopefully in Las Vegas. Guys, thank you. And if you want another pro segment before I have to get back to work, just uh, just give me a shout. Absolutely. We'd love All to right. do it. Stephen, thank you very much. Scott, thank you very much. I enjoyed the two days. And say thanks to Seth. Say thanks to Terry. Absolutely will. All right. Kenny McCutton, folks, uh, you don't, they don't get any better than thank that in, uh, in hockey anywhere. That should get us to our 100th uh, subscribers, right, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> that should do it right there. <laughs> If you're not listening, you should be. And if you're not subscribing, yes. you should be doing that too. Let's take a quick That's break. Right. Let's hear from our okay. sponsors. Yes. And Steve and I will come back and, uh, and wrap things up in another edition of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs. I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, 
smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products were being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with mdrive. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill, pregame like a pro, postgame like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. All right, and we are back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Stephen Marsh, up in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, the weather has got to be getting as nice up there as it is down here if you like 100 degrees plus. Yes, that's coming next week. We actually had a nice couple of days. Uh, yesterday we were in the 70s. I think today we barely hit 80. But, uh, but yeah, next week we're going to be up in triple digits. But it just kind of goes with this time of year, uh, the, the warmer weather as we, we get towards Memorial Day. So uh, we're just got to prepare for it. But it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, you know, and as we talk um, – uh, because of the open, I didn't get in as I wanted to. Uh, technical difficulties, of course, but a couple of things that I want to throw out there, and then I'm going to let you wrap up on a couple of things that, that you are going to talk about. But housekeeping duties on our end of it, we do want more subscribers. We do want more followers. We encourage you to do that. So what we're going to be doing in the month of June and months of June and July is we're going to be doing some giveaways. we got some great stuff coming. We've got some T-shirts. We've got some koozies from summer skates to give away uh, we're going to be doing that and we're going to be having you look for the hashtag which is let me get this right uh, pucks on the pod so look for hashtag pucks on the pod we'll have some trivia questions that you can answer we'll give you something that random things for new followers and subscribers uh, all kinds of good stuff you can find our podcast anywhere you get podcasts pretty much uh, ithsw podcast so that's coming up also, we will tease in two weeks. We are going to be start talking about the schedules for our ACHA clubs. We're going to start off with UNLV on June 3rd. And then every Wednesday through the month of June, we'll talk to a uh, representative from one of the club teams here in the desert southwest. And July, we'll talk about the women's programs the first couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully the third week of July, we'll talk uh, Division Two of the uh, of the ACHA and, and get somebody from uh, – UN or uh, NAU up in uh, Flagstaff on as well. So that's my stuff. I want you to tell us a little bit about what you saw. I know you watched and uh, and listened to the uh, ACHA meeting that went on last Sunday night. So give us a little uh, recap of what you heard and and what was said. Uh, well, I was just I was able. I, I kind of went through a lot of it. Was 
administrative stuff that is more for the for the teams and for the coaches and stuff. But the one of the big things that I guess they they talked about was um, you know COVID stuff and, and how that might affect next season. Um, I guess they have some contingency plans. You know, we we're talking about the schedule coming out and and you know and we're hoping that everything's going to be good for the fall. And it's from what I'm seeing on the news, it seems like that might be the case. Sounds like UNLV is planning to be on campus and hopefully other schools follow suit. And, you know, there might be some shuffling, but, but I think one of the things that Doug was having the season with is normal um, playing with, with no fans, I guess was one, one option that they might go, which doesn't seem to me be a very feasible at the club level to be, to have games with no fans. I mean, you go to some of these club games and there's basically nobody in the stands anyway. <laughs> right. So like Utah, and I'm not going to bash out other schools, but, but uh, certainly not UNLV because they always seem to be packed, but, but a lot of these programs, they do get a lot of good attendance. So that would be that would be hard because you drive a lot from from the revenue from that. And you don't have TV like you do in pro level. So, um, and then the other thing would be, and then I guess the other two options would be cancel it all together, which I don't. I think they can get the season, so I don't think that's going to be a likelihood. But you never know if things split split up again. And then the other option, I guess, would be to wait until maybe started in January and. and and, and then maybe they would push the tournament back to like April. They kind of mentioned that that they have some flexibility, I guess, with with the New England area to maybe that that move it to April. But the, right now they seem to be on point for for starting on time. But you know they invited the they invited the different schools to continue to keep them updated, the league updated on on what their cities are doing and what their schools are doing in regards to being on campus and and what that's going to look like and. And stuff. So those those communications will continue between the schools of the ACHA and all the all, all the leagues because you got it's all the divisions, the Division One, Two, and Three, and then and then also you know the communication between the league and them. And I guess they're going to continue to do that. So that was kind of the main. thing. there were some other things too about you know um, roster stuff and and other things like that. But the big thing I think is what's everybody's thinking about is you know COVID. How you know what what's the season going to be like? Is is that going to go on as as planned? And, and we don't know for sure. We're optimistic and hope that it will. But they are working on other things if, if they need to delay. Or maybe some, some schools won't be able to play, but some will. And just depending on hot spots and, and, and things like that. So, Well, here's, here's what I took out of it from what I got is exactly what you got. But I think the uniqueness for, for ACHA hockey starting in September is going to be that they're going to have the re- this entire month to evaluate what Major League Baseball does, what the NHL does, what the NFL does, what NBA does. They're going to be able to look at all of these. And the uh, NCAA, too, that's going to be the big key, what the NCAA yeah. does, because they model a lot of what they do with how the NCAA operates. So exactly. that's going to be the big, big thing. Exactly. That's, that was going to be my next point, is that oh, sorry. they will be watching them very carefully yeah. to see what they do. Although the thing with NCAA is – their hockey season, you know, I mean, what I'm talking about is like with the NHL, if they do come back and they play playoffs, they're going to look to see how that works without fans or with fans spaced, uh, socially distanced around an arena. I know the talk of that has come back again now about could we add maybe a quarter of the arena sure. or things like that. So I think that's going to be a plus for ACHA hockey is that they're going to be able to use that as an example to see how to do it or see what works or see what doesn't work. So I, I think that's a plus. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, on this show is we all know that uh, the NCAA added a new school this year. They announced in April. They say they're going to start playing in September or October, October, I guess, and that's Long Island University in Long Island, New York. And uh, obviously they can't put together an NCAA schedule this late because there just aren't enough teams to have open dates. So they're going to want to play – some club teams. I know uh, when they announced uh, UNLV very quickly tweeted, we'll play you. Um, uh, How, how cool would that be if the say long Island and I I threw this out to you off air, but I said, what if long Island decided that they wanted to uh, take two weekends and uh, come out to the desert, maybe over the holidays at Christmas time and uh, maybe hook up with uh, some games with UNLV and Arizona or ASU or even grand Canyon and see what, what would happen? How, how much do you think that would impact the look of NCAA prospects in not only Vegas but potentially Tucson and and California and different places? That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, to bring a a, a startup uh, NCAA program and play them out here against a uh, top call- caliber ACHA club? 
Yeah, that would be that would be that would be really great. I think yeah, if you were to do it, it certainly it, maybe by December, January, even if you can get it, maybe by then, you know, travel won't be as you know you'll be able to travel more safely and won't have that problems because going from Long Island, New York, all the way out here to the West Coast would be quite the adventure right now, and it's certainly in the foreseeable future. But if uh, maybe by the start of the year, if the season is maybe maybe beginning of January, even if they did a kind of little, uh, you know you know kind of kick off second half kind of thing or as the, as the kids you know as the semester break ends and they're coming back to getting ready to play games if they could do like let me look a little invitational type thing where you could invite uh, you can invite arizona or asu and and come either to vegas or or arizona although i'd be more in favor of being up here because we have more, <laughs> we have more capability up here but but if they want to do and then you can bring long island and they could play unlv one night and then Arizona could play somebody or, and then, you know, and then, then Long Island could play the other team the next night and then the other two teams could play or something, which, you know, which we've seen before, those kind of things happen. So uh, that would be, that would be kind of maybe an ideal scenario for them or Long Island can come and play in Vegas one night and then maybe go down to Arizona and play the next night or have everybody play in one, one place and just kind of round robin it kind of a little bit, two game thing. So uh, that would be really cool. And it would be good for UNLV to maybe kind of see, where they in Arizona too, just to kind of see maybe where they would measure up against a team that's just starting out in the NCA level and 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 see if you know how that works and it would be a good opportunity for 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 those schools and and it would be good for for Long Island to see too if uh, you know since they have to get they have to they have to play these you know can't play NCA teams yet so it'd be good for them too to kind of get some games in too before they can start playing an NCA uh, uh, roster. Uh, well, I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think out loud on this one, but there's a new building opening up in Henderson that has two <laughs> ice sometime <laughs> in October. Oh, I think you're right. Yes. <laughs> and there one you go. way, you have the practice facility for the new AHL. I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. It's gonna be the Henderson Silver Knights. <laughs> the blanky blanks. Gonna, the blank yeah, blanks right now. <laughs> no, it's gonna be the. It's gonna be the Silver Knights. Well, I think what gave it away when they did the. Um, the the arena thing they put SK or something in some of the writing for the thing okay well that that doesn't but but the president I guess Kerry Bubos at the Henderson City Council meeting said that uh, they're gonna announce the name very very soon so we'll we'll see uh, yes it's kind of the worst kept secret worst kept secret at this point but but yeah it's probably the logo is gonna be done. the name and logo I understand before the end of this month is gonna well, be what I heard last, but well, that, and, and as we started off the show with while I was trying to fiddle around, figure <laughs> out how I was going to get on board. Um, yeah. You talked a little bit about the uh, Henderson City Council approving the the new game arena, if you will, at uh, at the Pavilion, which is mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, I've been by there several times. I was there about a month ago and had a chance to see that site, and I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I really do. I think it's going to be great for hockey, but it's going to be great for the community because people don't realize how much that's going to bring, whether it's a concert or whatever. And it's not the maximum size, like, say, a T-Mobile, obviously. It's a third of that size. Right. So, so you that's, have more, that, intimate, yeah. more intimate crowds, which is what right. the AHL is looking for. And, and imagine a concert in there. I mean, it's going to be, you know, like you're up close and personal with the artist. So kudos. Well, it's like the Orleans Arena. It's that. like the Orleans Arena. It's, you know, Orleans Arena has about 7,000, 8,000 seats. And, you know, when they have a concert in there, it's, very intimate, or when there's a hockey game or other sporting event in there, it's uh, it's intimate. And you know, having a place in Henderson now that just gives more options for stuff to come here and and to be here, not have to rely on T-Mobile or MGM or or uh, Orleans. There's now an option out in Henderson to to have events and stuff, and so that'll be exciting. Absolutely. Well, that'll wrap up another edition of College or come sorry, College Club Hockey <laughs> Southwest Weekly. I'm all confused tonight, Stephen. It's just can we just just Listen to Kenny McCudden and, and just walk me down <laughs> for the night because thank you so much to Kenny McCudden. Well, that's what I'm always saying about myself now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job picking me up. Well, I, well, I, I didn't prepare for it that I was going to be starting the show, but uh, we tried to make it with what we could there. And we're glad that well, you were able to get your audio issues fixed and we were able to have Kenny on. It was a really good show. Looking forward to the month of June. As you said, we're going to do a lot with the schedules. You know, UNLV is releasing theirs in June. I think the other teams will probably release theirs too. And we can kind of talk about things and be optimistic that the season's going to go on time. And and we can have a good month of content, bringing the different teams in and talking about and, the schedules. And, and don't forget that new uh, hashtag coming out very, very right. soon. Yeah. Pucks on the pod. Pucks on the pod. Yeah. You'll be able to uh, respond to that. And uh, 
win yourself some prizes. Join us. Uh, subscribe. Not miss a broadcast, whether it's professional, NCAA, college, or club hockey, yeah. Southwest Weekly, on any one of the ITHSW podcasts. You'll have to give so, out some of these uh, these pens. I'm more, I've got it in my hand yeah, you're a few them. weeks ago. You love those and, things, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you get, it lights up, and uh, and uh, you can write writes good and stuff. And uh, so we'll have to give these. So people will want to get some of this stuff, and uh, it'll be good. We'll do it. Okay, well, for another uh, great broadcast, another great podcast, thank you, my friend, Stephen Marsh up in Las Vegas. Scott Strandy saying goodbye from now. We're going to send you off with a little De Niro from Roger Klein and the Peacemaker. See you next week. See you, everybody. Stay safe.